0: Good morning church. I'm going to put a picture that was taken at 445 up on a Saturday morning being yesterday and they look lovely and awake. But this is our El Salvador team that is going to connect with um, a very close church of ours in El Salvador. And again, who, who's on this team? Bill and Carolina John Auer, uh, Jeremy Rhodes, which happens to be a good translator for us, uh, Isaac Aldean, Andrew Lewis, Morgan Hunsicker, Nancy Hanula, and Rob Evans. So continue to pray for them all week. Uh, If you join me this week, um, we'll pray in a little bit for them again, but uh, pray that they'll have a great time. I know Corby's preaching in one of the services maybe tonight, so we're praying for him and uh, just thinking of the work that they're doing down in El Salvador. Um, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name's Pastor Vern, and his quick bio is in the bulletin but instead of just words, I thought maybe I could give, you, uh, give him a chance just to share a little bit with you. And so um, I've got a couple questions for you, Vern, and you can just share uh, with us so we can get to know you better. And his wife, Meredith, welcome. Appreciate it. Um, what, uh, one question, Vern. Favorite memory, uh, you were part of a church plant. Maybe one from the early years and then one from the final years. Good. Church planting. Something I never imagined myself doing.
1: But uh, started a new church in suburban Harrisburg in 1994 and stayed there until I retired just uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, Memories was putting a team together. You know, I didn't know what I was doing, and so we gathered about 20 people, people I'd known for a long time, other people I barely knew. And for six months, we prayed, we planned, we got ready. And it was uh, an exciting journey of team building, number one but then also leading into uh, a great experience. Our our little church grew with me me and my wife and some daughters. And then uh, at our high point, we were 450 people. And that about in 13 years, God uh, blessed in ways I could never have imagined. And it all started with me thinking, I don't think I can do this. God's good. From the later years, baptisms were always so special. Um, When you're a church plant, you do weird things. We were meeting in a school, a public school, and so we brought in for baptism a, uh, I didn't tell the folks this, but it was a cattle trough, enough for one person to get into. I'd stand on the outside, I like that, I didn't get so wet that way, and we would baptize people that way, put a little skirt around it to make it look halfway decent. And uh, we baptized uh, well over 300 people over those years.
0: And some of the stories are just amazing, but those are some highlights. Good. So Vern, why serve the local church? Shouldn't you be a consultant or writing a book or maybe taking Meredith to Florida?
1: I like that last one, Okay. especially in January. Um, I don't know, Dustin, is this a way of saying, you know, you're kind of old? No, you know? not insinuating anything. Oh, I, I love God's Word. I love teaching it. I love preaching it. Uh, a consultant comes in and leaves. Uh, the, these aren't uh, uh, goals. I hate writing. So it is what it is, and, and I've, uh, I've loved it. Uh, God got a hold of me kicking and screaming to be a pastor, but uh, it worked, and to the glory of God.
0: Uh, He'll probably tell that story later, but anyway, he's got more stories to share with us, I I know. Um, If you could preach about uh, a story in the Bible that's familiar, what would you pick? And if you could pick a story that's pretty unfamiliar, what would you pick?
1: The familiar one would be Jonah. Jonah is this wonderful story of God's love to enemies, Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to go, and God kind of uh, forced the issue. And so it's God's way of saying nobody is beyond his redeeming love and his power to save. And Nineveh was saved in that time frame. An unfamiliar one would be the parable of the net. One of the parables Jesus tells where the fisherman puts out his net and gathers all sorts of fish, it says. But actually the Bible doesn't say fish, just all kinds. I, I can imagine there maybe being a toilet seat in there and other kinds of things. But when it's full, this net, the fishermen bring it on shore and separate the good from the bad, and then Jesus makes the application. At the end of the age, the angels will come and separate the righteous from the wicked. There's a lesson in there. The righteous and the wicked is the business of God and his angels. We worry way too much about who's in and who's out. God's going to do that. Our challenge is just to bring them in.
0: Awesome. And why Brethren in Christ? There's other denominations, there's independent churches. Why, why hang out with uh, Brethren in Christ?
1: Well, this goes back to seminary years. Uh, I did my seminary work in a seminary in Portland, Oregon. Um, there was a, a group of seminary students that were Brethren in Christ there that I got to know quite well and then the dean of the seminary, some of you would know and remember, Arthur Kleiman Haga. So out of those personal connections formed a community But the thing that drew me probably most especially was the the Brethren in Christ's commitment to the integrity and the authority of the Scriptures. And that has uh, invited me in and that has kept me uh, uh, thoroughly grounded in what this means to be Brethren in Christ. Now, you've seen ten core values. I affirm all of them. I, I, I like them. They weren't a part of our our lingo back uh, when I was joining the church in 1976 or 1977, but uh, they represent well.
0: Would you join me as I just lead us in the morning prayer and a prayer for Vern. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, lending us Vern and thank you for his time with us. May the preaching and as he prepares for us, um, may we be blessed through this and may Vern and Meredith be blessed as well. Thank you for our church and you're you leading us through this time and transition. Be with our El Salvador team. Be with Corby and the crew as they bless the church down there, and be blessed all at the same time. Thank you for all these ministries and, and uh, studies that are kicking off in 2020. Be with each leader as they step out into an uncomfortable position that they might feel weak in, Lord, make them strong and use them. May they be your tools. Be with each one of us as we take a step forward this year. In our time of communion, may we just sense your presence and know your love and your sacrifice and embrace that. Lead our church in 2020 and may we be tools to be used by you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks, Vern, and I think we'll see you next Sunday. If you had invested $22 $22 in 1980 in a small startup company called Apple. You'd be more wealthy today than you were in 1980. I told my parents, uh, in 1980, I was seven years old, and if they could have just bought me 10 shares of Apple for $220 back then, then I would be, have $3,000 today. And you can do the math if you add more money into it. That, that increase that, that we're referring to there in that one company, we would call return. This idea of return, we calculate it every day, probably, each one of us in our lives, and it goes well beyond just a, a stock number. I might start a new year with an exercise routine or cutting out sweets. I'm hoping for a good return. Work, I might work hard uh, as an employee, uh, maybe with a bonus or promotion in mind, hoping for a good return. Uh, I, I love to do weddings, and uh, one of the things is um, either walk with a couple through premarital counseling or, or maybe see that they have premarital counseling with a counselor. Um, why, do, why does a couple do that ahead of their marriage day? Well, they're hoping for a good return. A student picks a college or picks a major hoping for a good return. An athlete puts a ton of time into practice, so they're ready for the big game, ready for that one shot, hoping for a good return. E- even in our spiritual life, we might open up scripture daily or, or try to catch up on our daily devotional because we're hoping for a good return. Life's never as simple as a simple stock number. Sometimes hard work doesn't seem to Payoff or the return is clearly unclear. And the water's muddy. If, if I'm a stockbroker, I'm very focused on that one number and seeing it move. But if I'm a Christ follower, what am I focused on? God. The movement of God. The God's work in me, God's work in my community, in my family, in my home. I'm focusing on God's healing work. God's loving work. God, how do I jump on board with what you are doing? That's my focus. And in that, Lord, will I see the return? Whether it's a tough, tough life circumstance, or maybe I'm stepping into something uncomfortable, what is my prayer? If I'm honest, my prayer again and again is, Lord, I don't know what the return is going to be, but you do. Amen. God, I don't know what I'm even looking for, praying for, but, but you're up to something. And I'm just going to be faithful here. Help me see the return. If I'm stepping into missions, so we've got a team in El Salvador. We have got a team getting ready for Guatemala in February. um, And Jesse Groob just returned from YWAM. I just talked with Shamina Christian um, over the holidays as she's been in leadership with Samaritan's Purse. If I step into one of those spots, what's my prayer? Will will three people know Christ for the first time because I stepped into this missions opportunity? Will a missionary family on the field be blessed and encouraged because I helped them out? Will only one person know Christ for the first time, but they go on and share Christ with 500 more? Will I come home more fierce advocate for missions in the place that I was just at and to help others? Will my trust grow deeper than ever because of what I went through? Will my wisdom be sharper And will I become an anchor for others? These are the returns that God might bring our way as we step out in obedience. And it's not just for a missionary, is it? It's as we step into our daily lives this week. We follow and serve Jesus. This this verse that I want to put on the screen is something that in youth ministry... Um, we, we would say from different times, and I remember uh, John Hanselman, it was always on his lips sometimes, is when we can't gather to pray or we were frustrated um, or just tired. Isaiah 55, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, subversion, say void, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That God... God will see through. God is on the move. God is in the business of return. It's a spiritual return. A return that we might miss sometimes, but it's there. In this series that that we're looking at in these next two months, I've asked the pastors that are going to share, the guest speakers that are going to share, and even maybe one of you that might have a short story that you can share with us. If you think that you do, just email me or call me. Let me know. My information's on the back of the bulletin. About times where God's blessing completely surprised you, where you thought it was going one way and all of a sudden God had it going a different way. And so this series is called Ironic Blessings God's Reversals. That God was near, even though it was unclear, that there was a spiritual return when we didn't see it. That we were confused about God, what God was up to, but we just stayed obedient or we began obedience. Even when we completely missed the mark or we run in an opposite direction from God. Vern already mentioned Jonah. That God meets us and there's a blessing there when it looked like a curse. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, and this has kind of been a verse uh, as I gave this to uh, the people speaking. Um, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And when I am weak, help me out, God can turn this thorny bush into a beautiful blessing. The foundation I want to lay for us is, what is ironic blessing? Well, for me, as I sat down and thought about this, it would be these three things as we keep in mind and as people share. Number one, that there are more than one layer of meaning to something. My, my mom was recently uh, rear-ended uh, in our hometown in Virginia, and I got to talk to her after it, and, and she was okay but hit hard uh, in her vehicle and totaled her vehicle, and... Um, Everything was going to be okay, even though it was hard to hear that she was in an accident. Um, But then she followed up by saying, you know, um, the person was, was going through the light. And they just happened to hit me and we're all okay. And they had a kid in their vehicle. But they were going right into a busy intersection. They would have hit multiple cars. And it could have been much worse. And so that's when you've got this one layer of meaning, mean meaning the accident was bad, but then you have this understanding that it could be so much worse, that maybe God did intervene. The second thing, one layer has the opposite meaning. So you have this opposite effect usually. Again, Jonah running in this direction and God working a reversal. And third, the observer, the participant is unaware of the meaning or surprised by it. As you look back, maybe your, your vision is, is 100% on how God pulled you through something. But if you're going through something right now, you could be that observer or participant. When you're saying, God, I think you're in this, but you're going to surprise me because I don't know how this is going to work out. Jonah was heading in the wrong direction. How could that have had a good return? Joseph was sold into slavery. How could that have a good return? Daniel tossed in the lion's den. How was that going to have a good return? Paul, we knew him as Saul, and he had an army looking for Christians, throwing them in jail or killing them. How could that have a good return? The list in Scripture goes on and on, and ends or is fulfilled with a man sent from God, Jesus. Jesus was mocked as king of the Jews, but he actually was. Jesus was rejected as worthless and was worthy. And follow this, because of the people's unbelief, the cross happened. Because of the cross, unbelief was conquered. The unbelief had to flip to belief, and it only happened through Jesus. So for 2020, where does this take us? That, that God is at work. Will we see it? Uh, to know God is to know that God is in the business of reversals, of these ironic blessings as we follow. There, there's these statements in Scripture that I want to read to you. But there are also big themes that you're going to see again and again and again through the lives and the stories throughout Scripture. When I am weak, then I am, help me out, strong. The last will be? God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And you don't overcome evil with evil, but with good. Communion. We wanted to start off the year with communion. It gives us this hands on approach. It allows us to walk the walk. When we we come in here on a Sunday morning with the words on our mouth, I need you, Jesus, communion allows us to walk in that. Lord, I need you. You can make these reversals happen, you bring about blessings. To save us, Christ had to die to himself first. Right? Isn't that the, the temptations in the desert? Satan coming next to Jesus. Hey Jesus, why don't you do it your way? Yeah, you know what the Father wants, but but why don't you do these shortcuts? It'll be much easier. But Jesus laid down his life in obedience to his father. You and I were called to die to ourselves. Uh, Kurt Funk, at the 430 service in, at Christmas Eve, he said it as clear as I just did, that as a Christ follower, I first die to myself so I can live. Again, there's this one meaning, I'm dying to myself, I'm giving things up, and the opposite meaning is, then I will live. As you approach the communion table in this new year, open your hands to the work that God has for you. And open your eyes to his presence and his movement. Pray for a return, a spiritually deep return. Pray for a return that blesses others, blesses the community around you, and grows you deep. Pray for the Holy Spirit to lead you as you step into the exact place that God has you serve this year. And when you feel weak and unprepared, and it will probably happen, God will make you strong and ready. Vern, will you come and lead this time as we walk through communion?
1: At the risk of uh, detracting from... Dustin's words and uh, the notion of moving into communion. I I have a confession here. Uh, I'm having a hard time getting past that uh, event coming up called Women's Soccer and Prayer. And I'm trying to think, what kind of a soccer game is this? Uh, I'm sure it'll work out. Communion is so special to we who put our faith in Christ because there's one of those multiple several of those multiple meetings Dustin has talked about Peter Upon hearing Jesus declare the first time that he's going to suffer He's going to be rejected. He's going to be killed and then he will rise from the dead took the Lord aside and rebuked him. No. Peter had one version of what this was supposed to look like, that the Christ, the Son of the living God, was going to be victorious. Jesus had another, which meant a cross, suffering and rejection. The communion emblems of bread and the cup are emblems of suffering. A broken body shed blood and the invitation for us to do what Jesus said for us to do do this in remembrance of me so I will use one of those reversals next Sunday probably the story of Joseph from the Old Testament in prison for all intents and purposes his life is over but God had a different plan Suffering is a way of being in the depths of what life is all about, and it often feels like there's no way out. I spent a year, I'm so glad for 2020, last year was a miserable year for me. Three surgeries, sleeplessness, all sorts of headaches, I'll fill in some of those blanks, but I don't want to make it about me anyway, but... Out of that comes a deeper understanding of the mystery of suffering. Suffering has such teaching abilities. Pain gets us to focus our attention where we would not otherwise focus. Listen to the words of the Hebrews. In beginning, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation, in other words, Jesus, the pioneer of their salvation, perfect through suffering. As if to say, Jesus isn't fully living up to what God meant for him to be without suffering. And when Jesus joins us in this world as a suffering servant, we too know what suffering is all about and learn how God redeems suffering. And then another scripture, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Now that is such a bold statement, and I don't even know what Peter meant by it when he put it in his first letter. Is done with sin. But I do know that suffering focuses the mind and the heart. It gets us ready to shed some things that really don't matter very much and focus on the best things that do. When we come to communion this morning... The brethren in Christ believe in an open table. In other words, there's no qualifications here having to do with membership in churches or any other such thing. You're welcome to come if you believe that Jesus has died for your sins and has welcomed you into his family. The deacons have prepared the bread and the cup for us. The bread even has little marks in it to remind us of the sufferings of Jesus the piercings of his hands, the sword in his side. So as you come today, the music will begin and there are serving stations across the front and in the back. After my prayer and the music begins, you come. But come being reminded of what Jesus did for you, what God, how he loved us so much that he was prepared to suffer and die that we might have life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come into your presence today in full anticipation of encountering you in this very simple ceremony, communion, the Lord's Supper. We thank you, Lord, for doing what you have done for us. You're and you're the only one that could have done it for us, offering up your perfect, sinless body For the sins of the whole world. Help us to reflect on that. Help us to be mindful of it and what we are called to be and to do. And send us home with a great, great blessing, remembering your love, your forgiveness, and the life that comes in your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.